Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Umbody. Shay Dixon is with me. We appreciate you guys more than ever being here because LSU's now dropped back-to-back SEC games, including Saturday night's loss to Kentucky, uh, a game that really wasn't close. But we're going to jump right in with the biggest news of the day, and that is star wide receiver Kayshawn Butte being out for the rest of the season. Shay, you were all over this one. Uh, had it ready to go. Ed Ogeron kind of said, look, he's not available against Florida. But later on in the press conference we just got done with, uh, confirmed that he is out for the season. And this one, you just, as a, whether you're a fan, reporter, whatever, you hate to see it. I mean, Keishon Butte was off to a huge start to his junior year or sophomore year, building off of that finish to his freshman campaign and goes down in the second half against Kentucky with an injury that you could just tell when he went down on that on that ankle uh, foot, that it was just not good. And so Ed Odron confirms the news. Uh, LSU going to be without its arguably best player without Derek Stingley out there uh, for the rest of the year. And now this offense has to find even more ways uh, to be productive. And losing Kayshawn Butte is uh, the worst thing that you could have imagined in that respect. Yes. So uh, obviously, first off, thoughts, prayers with Kayshawn. I mean, that's that's tough. That's that's the best receiver in the country right now, and and for him to be on fire again as a sophomore. Remember, he broke that freshman or broke the SEC single game receiving mark. Uh, had like 308 yards in one game as a freshman against Ole Miss. But I'm looking at my side screen right now. Um, this year I just had it. Uh, 38 catches, 508 yards, nine touchdowns. His nine touchdowns are still tied for the most in the country. Um, a year ago, 45 for 735 and five. So, you know, he didn't even start till midway through a year ago, really, and really kind of just that very end of the season. Uh, but went over the thousand yard mark this year as well into the double digit touchdowns. So uh, your hope there is, and I know, look, I'm not going to get into the specifics of the injury because O didn't and Kayshawn hadn't said anything, but uh, I do, it's, it's not an Achilles is what I've been told. And a lot of people had speculated that because of how he went down and, and just sort of the area that it was in. But I think the hope, Billy, for him is that, look, you just go through uh, a recovery process. You get back out there. You see if you're there for the spring. Uh, but, you know, with a guy like him, either way, uh, the goal is just to get him back healthy again to where he doesn't miss any more uh, game action. Yeah, so we'll be monitoring, uh, obviously, his recovery now. It's going to be one of the big stories of the offseason, you know, whether he's back or not for spring. Uh, and now uh, – <clears throat> I'll go. And- I'll chime in here. We well, Billy. We had a rundown going uh, that, and we wrote it before because we thought before Coach O went. We're recording this right after Coach O, so we're going to get to a handful of things, including some thoughts on O and and the job status. And I said, let's just throw in there about Kayshawn Hill update something quickly. But I do want to ask this: We can bring Maddie in for this vote too. You've got Jack Besh now is number two on the first on the team in receiving. If you're going by yards. And then after that, Brian Thomas. I probably could have quizzed LSU fans about this, and I'm not. It's been kind of so spread out, and Butte's such the dominant, explosive play guy that 
Brian Thomas is third on the team in catches, 14 for 188. Deion Smith, 11 for 186. Then you're into this Trey Palmer, Jeray, Malik Neighbors is over 100 yards, and then Coy and Devonta Lee, who both are not yet over 100 yards on the year. But you've got that group. They, Coach O was asked today, hey, well, who's the new number two receiver? He said, it's not about that. It's about we needed to see some guys step up. So we got votes here. Two guys apiece that you feel very good about being involved moving forward. Actually, let's do this. One guy not named Jack Bash. Y'all go first. Matty B, lead us off. Jesus, Jesus. Um, <laughs> we can I'm presume go... we'll be involved, no doubt. Yes, yeah. yes, 100%. Um, I I think it's between Brian Thomas and Trey Palmer, honestly. I like Trey Palmer just as an explosive play threat that I didn't that I think they need to supplement um Keishon Boutte's explosiveness, whether that's in the RPOs, slant games, all that stuff. And while Brian Thomas kind of gives you that, I think Palmer's speed is a little more valuable here. Um I'm probably gonna go Palmer. Uh outside of him, though, it's it there's a lot of candidates you could throw in there. Deion Smith, obviously. Um, you know, Malik Neighbors had, had made some plays as well. There's a lot of candidates, but I'm gonna go uh Trey Palmer is my 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 pick. I'll I'll go with with Malik Neighbors. Uh, I thought what you saw against uh Kentucky is what <laughs> they've been looking for from him. Uh an, again, another freshman who you know we heard good things about was nicked up early in the year and and, and against Kentucky. That highlight highlight real catch was was really impressive. Uh, he gives off, I don't know about Kayshawn Boutte vibes, but those, that's the type of player he is. He's a big play guy. Um, I think LSU's now seen what he can do a little bit more. And I, I think you look to to uh, Malik Neighbors to step up. Uh, he's kind of similar in that respect to at least kind of how Kayshawn Butte plays. So I, I'm circling him. Uh, and like Shay said, Jack Besh is going to continue to be a big focal point of the offense as well. All right. I was going to go Neighbors. I, I think we've just seen a lot from him in a little amount of time to, to lead you to believe that you know, in camp, remember, he was the guy that they were like, dude, he's the dog. All these guys are good, but he's the real, you know, he's the best one at this stage. So I, I like him a lot. I guess if we'll, we'll all pick different guys because there's a lot of options. If you can harness that one game Deion Smith had into any sort of consistency, then he can be a guy for you. He can, you know, he was compared to Justin Jefferson by the coaching staff. You clearly saw, I know the opponent was a weak one, was – was that McNeese or Central Michigan that he had the big game? It was one of those games. I don't remember which one. It was Central. I remember. Central Michigan. Central. Right? Uh, either yeah. way. I mean, he had, I know the opponent wasn't great, but he had a huge game for a freshman. I don't know. If you can find that again in Deion Smith, I think you'll be good to go. But no doubt. I think Jack Besh is the guy you rely on and you figure it out. You've got some talent from there. Um, we'll see. Yeah, and uh, moving off of – this injury kind of update on Keishon Butte at Ogeron did note, um, you know, some other injuries, which we'll touch on in the press conference portion of this. Uh, but final thoughts on Kentucky. I mean, you know, Matty B, you can chime in if you want on this and then Shay. Uh, but for me, I mean, you look at the rushing performance by the Wildcats, kind of what you expected from them. They were physical. Chris Rodriguez had a big game. Will uh, Will uh, Levias, uh, uh, Levis was, was able to, you know, contribute in the run game as well. They just physically beat up LSU, and it kind of looked like that UCLA game to me. It wasn't necessarily surprising, but, you know, the LSU defense just had no answers and didn't really tackle well, and that's something that, you know, six six games in now is probably the most, I, I think, concerning thing outside of how the offense, 
you know, reacts to this Keishon Butte injury. Yeah. The thing for me, I asked Coach O on the presser before the, the game how similar the run game was to Ella, to UCLA, and he said it's very similar as far as with the zone zone run schemes and the pulling guards, and that was alarming to me because while I think UCLA had a better run game overall, Kentucky still was persistent and physical, and I think that could have give was going to give LSU problems. I didn't know it was going to give them that many problems, though. And that looked like a defense that was just worn down, just really showed a lot of the same problems that they showed early in the year. And I, I made a real quick t- video on this on, on Twitter, but it, it felt like it was finally the dam bursting, right? Like the Central Michigan, Mississippi State wins were really just facades and really just teams that – this team was just more talented then, and you know Mississippi State was easy to game plan against. When you get up against a good team that executes well, that schemes well, LSU really just doesn't stack up to them because they're just out coached. And I said going into the game, I thought this was a game that the coaching that was going to be decided by the coaching on both sides, and it was. And I didn't think LSU really stood a chance out there. And I don't think that was because of injuries. I don't think that was because of talent. I just think that they were out executed, out schemed. Well, I'm, I'm curious then to hear your Thursday uh, podcast with Sonny, given that Dan Mullen can scheme up somebody about as good as anybody in the country. So the, the spread, um, the spread is like ten right now. So you know the yeah, expectations are eleven. Are, yeah, somewhere around there. It's around. So expectations are lower. I uh, yeah, I'm with. I mean, I'm with you, Billy, on the run game. I thought it was good to finally see TDP uh, run hard. I mean, into the fourth quarter. Look, you can't say these guys are out there quitting. At least not a lot of them. Butte's out there risking season-ending injury in the fourth quarter of a game that doesn't matter. Like, they weren't going to win. And he's toe-tapping sideline, th- you know, catches. TDP was running hard all the way till the end. And look, I hear it. People are going to say, well, Kentucky sat back and, and knew they were, you know, not going to stay committed or we're just going to allow them to run the football. And they got up big and, and they just didn't want to get beat by the big pass. So they were letting LSU chunk it. And I mean, that might be fair. But at the same time, throughout the game, LSU was running these, like, you know, gap scheme, a lot of pulling guard, uh, getting Jack Mashburn, a, kind of a true blocking tight end into the game. They went under center at one point. So, I mean, they were committed in that game to running the football. Like we had not seen them be committed to running the football in a way that suits what Ty Davis price can do well. And, and I think we saw Ty, you know, it was the best game of his career. I think 20 plus carries for 140 something yards and, and two touchdowns. I think that's his first two touchdown game of his career. Uh, but look, at the same time, it's one of those things you lost. And and as soon as you brag about the running game, as Matthew says, you look to the other side and Kentucky has two guys go over 100 yards as if it's not that hard to do. So I don't know, man. I just I, for LSU's sake, I hope that they can find some sort of like I think balance in this offense when like we used to talk about like, oh, they need to find some balance like they need to run the football with case out. They absolutely have to find a way to run the football or they're going to run into some trouble because he was the guy that was bailing them out of a lot of situations when they would get into him. Uh, and I would say he and Jack Besher, your two most consistent playmakers on that side of the ball. You take one of them away from an offense that still hasn't scored 28 points, more than 28 points against a power five team this year and has only beaten one power five team. Uh, that's, that's a tough outlook. Yeah. And it, now we, you know, coming off of the Kentucky loss, the, the noise around Ed Ogeron is deafening, you know, whether he wants to, he's not looking at it or whatever he said today in the press conference about just doing his job and staying focused. And he said it after the game, 
he's not going to have a bad day being the head coach of the LSU Tigers. But Shay, I mean, you you hit the hit the nail on the head on Go Twenty Four Seven for our subscribers right after the game, really, uh, or on Sunday too. This is not a program right now that is ready to make a change at the head coaching position in the season. We'll see kind of how things unfold and we'll keep monitoring it. But right now is probably not the time, no matter how much the fans want it and uh, how much it's probably warranted at this stage. This situation with Ed Ogeron is one that, you know, at this point we could see it playing out until the end of the year. And we can also see a change being made at some point. So just kind of what set the, set the table for the rest of the year for these LSU fans listening as far as what the situation is with Ed Ogeron, at least in, in your mind and, and what you've gathered so far. Well, look, I think that if you're a fan right now, you've come to a realization that a change is, is going to happen. Now, whether that – I haven't heard any fans say at this point to me on our message board anywhere that they think that there will be no changes. Now, if you're operating under, okay, well, I'm a fan. I think there's going to be changes. I want answers on when. I want answers on what it means for recruiting. What does it mean for the staff? What kind of coach are they going to go after? And all of this, these are dominoes that have to drop in a certain order. You're not going to get these answers until the domino drops of a coaching change. Then you can see if players are coming or going in terms of the transfer portal. Then you can see what a new coaching staff might look like and what you know current staff members might be retained. You can see what you know their recruiting finish might look like or uh, obviously what a new staff would look like. And I think you're in that kind of period right now where the team's not playing well and everyone's sort of just trying to find out a way to for them, for fans, to make it fun to talk about LSU right now. And for them, the excitement is around, okay, what does the future hold? And look, the future will happen whenever we get some facts out of this. Right now, everything's speculation. And, and we had heard Orgeron say, I'm still the head coach. Now, <clears throat> whether that happens in season or after the season, I think remains to be seen. I can hear an argument uh, for a number of different you know, potential outcomes. You look at Woodward's track record outside of really one big name, Tyron Willingham, who was let go midseason. They were 0-7 at Washington, and then he finished out the season as the head coach. Every other big coaching movies made in a major sport has been right after the season. Now, again, look, people will then say time Shea, times change. There's an early signing day now. There's the transfer portal. portal. There's an open USC job and the arms race to hire people. I, I, I get all of that. I hear it. Um, but for me, the answer right now is sort of one of those as, <clears throat> for instance, like us three, we are here to cover it and we're here to report on it, uh, but certainly not be like a part of the actual process of it. Also, we'd be lying if we sat here and said, here's where Scott Woodward is exactly in his line of thinking or what they want to do or what the uh, the administration administration boosters are are doing in terms of lining up, which is an, a difficult thing here. Look, $20 million buyout, guys. A school that's in the middle of a Title IX investigation, a school that, you know, is coming off of a national championship just two years ago and now finds himself, what, eight and eight across that stretch this year, one and three against power five teams. Do you just immediately rip the Band-Aid off when you're dealing with the highest paid employee in the state of Louisiana? No. So I'm not surprised that uh, Ed Orgeron's still the head coach. I won't be surprised if he's still the head coach next week and so forth. But uh, I'm also kind of with everybody else and understanding that we're probably nearing a stretch right now where, you know, change seems inevitable. Well, the bright side is for LSU fans looking ahead to a potential coaching search is that the last three coaches hired have all won 
national championships at LSU. Uh, it's, I think, the only job in the country that can say that. Um, no doubt. That, no doubt. Um, so that's a bright side looking forward if you're uh, trying to find one is that whenever there's a coaching search and Scott Woodward has done a really good job with them in the past, uh, that's uh, certainly a bright side. And now let's uh, move on to what's next. LSU faces Florida. Little 11 a.m. kickoff in Tiger Stadium on uh, Saturday. A rarity, certainly for this game. Also a rarity that LSU's double-digit dogs in Tiger Stadium. But Ed Ogeron was pressed a lot, I, I think, on his job status and how he's handling it in not only his post-game press conference, but, but today as well. And like we said earlier, he's just going to keep handling it the way he has, which is, you know, he's never going to have a bad day. He's focused on fixing the things they can you know, try to fix. And I think looking at his press conference today, it was pretty easy to kind of read through everything. They've got to find an answer for Kayshawn Butte's absence. They're probably not going to find one in reality. It's going to be a, a committee approach and see uh, if the cream rises to the top. But I think there was, I think he handled the press conference and what was asked of him a lot better than he kind of has during this rocky stretch. I mean, I was kind of impressed with the way uh, he handled, you know, continued to be being pressed for, you know, a soundbite, quite honestly, on his job status. And, you know, as you look at Ed Ogeron and, and what he said about Florida, you know, a lot of respect. You know, Dan Mullen has uh, taken them to school at times. Uh, and even when Dave Aranda was the defensive coordinator here. So whether it's first-year defensive coordinator Durante Jones or Dave Aranda, Dan Mullen and this Florida offense presents a lot of challenges. Emory Jones uh, played a really good game against Vanderbilt. I mean, quite honestly, not many people aren't having good games against Vanderbilt. Uh, this is still a Florida team that has a lot in front of it. Uh, they still need to face Georgia. You can tell they're going to be motivated uh, coming into this one and looking to show uh, the country, quite honestly, that that loss to Kentucky was a uh, bump in the road. Yeah, look, and I, I, I kind of in jest was messing with Matthew earlier about what he's going to say on the prediction pod. But Mullen is one of the best schemers in the country. And in terms of how to attack a defense, look, they were beating up on LSU with Felipe Franks as the quarterback with, you know, guys who aren't playing as well as Emory Jones. So I have no doubt that Florida is going to put up some points. My worry becomes Billy, and <clears throat> we'll talk about this now with LSU sitting at three and three in last place in the SEC West, and they've yet to score more than twenty-eight points in a game against a team again. <clears throat> excuse me, twenty-eight points in a game against a Power Five opponent this year. There, I'm looking at the schedule right now. Remaining, I can name you three or four teams immediately, at least two or three that are going to score twenty-eight by halftime on you. That's just what they do. So, I don't know, man. I can. <laughs> Being an 11-point under, underdog at home against Florida, seven games into a season says exactly what it needs to say about what the outcome of this game will probably look like for an LSU team that not only is just not playing well, and we can, you know, and certainly the coordinators have been knocked on at different times for their approach, but they're dropping like flies too. I mean, their best players are not playing. Kayshawn Butte, Derek Stingley, Andre Anthony, Miles Brennan from the start. John Emery, I mean, there's not a lot of reason for me to say they, oh, yeah, they get Glenn Logan back. Like that's the, he's a great player and I love Glenn, but you get my point. They're, they're reeling right now. And, and if they don't have answers right now and they're losing more of their best players every week, the product's not going to be expected to be getting a lot better. Yeah. And you mentioned dropping like flies. Ollie Gay is going to be out. Major Burns remains out. Joe Evans unavailable. 
it's just stop the count stop the count i mean there's just no other way to say it i mean this is a team right now that uh i was asked last week on a a radio show if lsu loses to kentucky can they win another sec game the rest of the way and gosh that was before texas a&m beat alabama this weekend this is you know we kind of move we can move into this now put it to a vote let's hear it billy bring maddie b in he ain't ducking out of this one I I am going to say yeah, – Okay, hold on. Yeah. Let's lay the land for the people out there while y'all think about it. Florida is an 11-point underdog. Then they're at Ole Miss. Ole Miss obviously scores a lot, a lot of points a game. By week at Bama versus Arkansas, who everyone by now knows that Arkansas is a very good football team this year, versus ULM, so they have a non-conference game remaining. And then at home against Texas A&M. A week ago, everybody said Texas A&M sucked. This past weekend, they're beating Bama. So that's one, two, three, six more games. They're three and three. What's everyone I'm going to assume is going to say they can beat ULM. So you're starting four wins with five other games. Um, I, I will say I'm, I'm going to go ahead. And I mean, the only one is I think maybe they can find a way to beat Arkansas. But gosh, Arkansas is just so physical. I mean, that that's at least one, you know, they didn't look like the Arkansas team that started out this season against Georgia, but gosh, not many teams have looked good against Georgia. I, 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 that would be my one pick. I mean, maybe Florida this weekend, they can shock the world, but I I just don't see it. I don't see another sec win on this slate. I mean, we could, I mean, maybe Zach Calzada gets hurt and A&M is left without walk-ons. Yeah. That, that would be other things would have to happen for me to predict. Uh, LSU to get another SEC win this year. I'm going to go, I'm going to go winless. And I mean, Shay, you mentioned the Ole Miss scores a ton of points last year, 53, 48 uh, with Steve Ensminger and Scott Linehan, Max Johnson, the final game of the season, LSU puts up 53 and I don't see that happening this year. And I, I, I'm going to predict they go winless. Um, one th- For me, Mississippi State, Auburn, and I'll be at Kentucky's, ranked 11th and they deserve you know they're they're a good team obviously mississippi state auburn and kentucky might be the three worst teams of these last what nine i mean other than obviously ulm like mississippi state i'm sorry ole miss florida bama arkansas AM. I might take all five of those over the three teams that that lsu has played so far in in, in sec play like it just doesn't get any easier that's what made the auburn loss so bad that's what made it so pivotal like you can't lose to auburn with the other teams on this schedule still in play and that's what i thought made the kentucky game so big because i thought while kentucky i knew like again kentucky's a good team i don't think they're this juggernaut team that is i don't think they're better than Ole miss or alabama arkansas maybe not even florida even though they beat florida like they you could say they got outplayed by florida for a majority of that game i i'm gonna say one i think they get one and i think it's the Texas A&M game at the end, just because I don't trust A&M, even though A&M's defense is great. And, you know, as we saw, they beat Bama. So it's hard to say this after they beat Bama, but being at home, we saw last year, three and five team had no business going to beat Florida and beating Ole Miss. They end up winning those two games. I don't think we're going to see that this year, but at the very least, I think they go and beat A&M the last game of the season, because I think A&M is going to start to taper off a little bit more. They're going to come back down to earth after that Bama win. And I don't think they're 
a great team, especially with Palzada and whatnot over there. Maddie B, you it, haven't you haven't arrived until you have your own thread on the Texas A&M message board. And if they listen to this podcast, you might might get one. I mean, uh, and, I mean, and I am the biggest like A&M has to prove it. You know, they they've had all these expectations going into this year. This year was supposed to be their year, and they started off the way they did. And then they go and beat Bama. Is that the turning point? Can they? Is are they now going to be rolling? Yeah, I, I don't want to doubt, but yeah, it, it, yeah, it, I don't want to turn this into a And M podcast. But um, <laughs> I, I just, I just don't. I think they're more of the team that lost to Mississippi State and to Arkansas and barely beat Colorado than the team that beat Bama. I, they beat the hell out of Bama though. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. So, shout out. Yeah, to them. look. <clears throat> okay, so what you're going for? Five and five seven. Wins. Five and seven. Okay. Billy, you went four and uh, six. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I'll go. Okay. I'm going to go six and six. I think that they end up beating. I don't think that they'll lose a game after Bama. I think that they'll end up beating Arkansas. I think I'm not sure how. I just get a feeling that okay. that game's all well. Even when LSU has been way better, Arkansas has given them a run for their money. So that game's just kind of like Auburn to me. It's always a little funky. Uh, you get them at home, they'll beat ULM. I'm with Maddie B. Even last week, like before the Bama game, even the Billy Lucci's of the world were saying, "Look, guys, it ain't A&M's year. They're not. This ain't it. There, it's going to be rough. As look, it's close games against Colorado. It's losing to State and Arkansas. I know you thought you were going to be cream of the crop, but that ain't it this year. They're too banged up. They lost their quarterback. They play out of this world in front of an awesome home crowd. I mean, everyone here can hate on the Aggies all they want." an awesome environment and awesome into an unbelievable college football day for everybody yeah. that wasn't LSU. So it was, you know, great day, great game for them. But again, they's, they're still this team that they had just barely beaten or lost to end of the year, last game. Few of these seniors are going out for their final time. I could easily see them beating it. I don't think a that good either. So in um, none of that, do I want to argue that I think LSU is very good, but I'll say that. I think they'll lose to Florida, lose to Ole Miss by week. They'll lose to Bama. Then they'll win the rest of the three. So I'm kind of split. I say they're going to lose their next three, and then the sun will rise in November, and they'll get themselves a few wins. Six and six, which another 500 finish. So Ed Ogeron gets carried off the field against Texas A&M. This ain't 2016, no, 15. 2015. Yeah, this is an odd year, 2015, right? Gosh, that seems like yesterday when Les was being carried off. Uh, all right. And uh, I hope nobody's tuning in here just at the end and is hearing that we've predicted that an, an Ed Orgeron carried off the field, Les Miles remake. I'm gonna um, I'm definitely gonna clip this. This is gonna be the clip, you know. <laughs> no. it's be on Twitter, so there you go. Do not. Uh, all hey, right, I'm so gonna... then uh, we're we're going four and six or four and eight to six and six range, which I think what we're all in agreement here is that these next three games prior are not going to be pretty for them. No, I don't think so. And, uh, you know, Florida, again, has a lot in front of it still. Um, obviously, it's a game that they feel probably feel like they should have won last year. I mean, you know, the Cole Taylor shoe and the kick in the fog. I mean, it was another wild game between LSU and Florida. I could see it being closer than the, you know, 10-point um, spread that it is right now, uh, but I just don't I, – I can't see them beating Florida um, this this week. I mean – Florida's a good football team. 
Florida's a good football team. They're going to be more physical than LSU. And with LSU as banged up as it is, I don't see it. And so, Shay, uh, I think we're going to be back here next week on a Monday talking about another LSU loss. The board will melt down, uh, be demanding more this answers. This is when LSU ends up winning, though. That's just how it works. Exactly. I know. That's that's what – This is where LSU about. will come out and just beat Florida by, you know, seven, ten points. Yeah. Um, and it, it's – both teams are not – obviously where they wanted to be going into this year. Uh, but Florida still has a lot ahead of it. I mean, the heat could turn it up on Dan Mullen. If he loses this one, I don't think they're going to do anything uh, with him by any means, but if he loses to this LSU team, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, it, it, it might not surprise me, but LSU is just way too banged up right now. I mean, it, how do you even score? I mean, the defense would have to play lights out and how do you even score enough to, to, to get there? Without Kayshawn Butte now, it's just it's a tough, tough road. There's no doubt. I uh, oh, a reminder. Well, LSU's one to zero at 11 a.m. this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, so that's looking up for Saturday, and then next week, Ole Miss, 2:30 CBS, the big boy slot for LSU to go to Oxford. I'm a little surprised by that. Yep. No, I know 2:30 uh, in Oxford on CBS. Little Lane Kiffin at Ogeron, maybe for the last time. Uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, but for Maddie B, for Shay Dixon, we're going to wrap up this edition of the Go 24/7 podcast. Check back later in the week for the preview of LSU Florida, 11 a.m. kickoff in Tiger Stadium on Saturday. We will have all your coverage of that, and uh, we'll also be tracking recruits. You know, uh, we've talked about it in the past, um, but. You know, that'll be something to monitor as the season unfolds as well and if the coaching change is made. So keep it locked on go247.com for all of that. Basketball season is approaching as well. Uh, so we'll have that all covered uh, for you guys. But for Shay Dixon, Maddie B, I'm Billy Ambody. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Go 24-7 podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.